Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Piaz. Thanks for joining us. Now grab a cup of tea, sit back and relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. I'd love to kind of have you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you. Um, I know I'm very excited to have you on this podcast. I've only heard like little snippets. So I'm excited to hear from you about the work that you do and what brought you to today. Okay. So um, my name is Julie Bendinelli and um, I'm mother of two. Of course, my oldest is grown and married now to a fabulous young woman, Um and we're so blessed to have her part of our family. Um, I um, have been most of my life a volunteer. Um, I work part-time. And the reason I work part-time is so that I can volunteer in different organizations um, that come along my path. And most recently, I've been involved in Seroptimus International, which is an organization that helps empower women and young girls um, to further their education, get on their feet, not have to rely on anybody um, besides themselves, build their confidence, their um, job skills. And uh, it's been an incredibly rewarding experience. Um, we have a special program in the community of Poway that we partnership with the North San Diego Club. And we provide transitional housing for women who are coming out of the crisis house, um, women and their children. And we put them in an apartment for up to 18 months. We furnish the apartment through uh, donations, and um, I'll tell you, it's the cutest thing because we have all these women who think they're interior decorators now, and so, you know, we go to town with everything we can find at thrift stores and make absolutely adorable apartments for these families to move into, and uh, they're able to take everything. When they graduate the program, they can take whatever they want, or they can leave everything behind, and uh, we put uh, spoons in the drawers, toasters on the countertop, sheets on the bed, uh, food in the refrigerator for these families to be able to start anew. And it's amazing to see what a little confidence um, that this gives these women to just carry on and get them moving forward. Wow. What a great program. It's fabulous. We, we also do, there's a scholarship program for women who are head of household who are one of continue their education. So we do that too and wow. help with Abraxas, Abraxas High School. We do some scholarship programs there and teach a woman's um, finance class. Uh, once, a, once a year, we teach a little finance class to um, the young girls there so they understand what FICA scores are and why it's important um, you know, to establish credit um, and not to share the credit cards, you know, those simple things that a lot of times, you know, we had to learn the hard way. <laughs> right. Well, don't take a picture and post it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's what great work. I, yeah, um, absolutely. as a social worker, it's um, interesting that I haven't come across this for optimist program much, but, um, I appreciate a huge thank you for doing yeah. that kind of work and volunteering. Um, that's amazing. You probably have dealt with Crisis House and uh, Community Housing Works. We partner with them too. So we're, you know, all kind of interconnected. Yeah. Which is gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, one of the things that we ask our guests is here you are, you've told us how you kind of a little bit about how you got to this place. And what I wonder is what are the values that you have and how do you think you came by them? Um, I would say that my, my values are based on um, a deep faith in God. Um, that's always been a foundation that um, I've had since a child and carried that through adulthood and impressed that on my children as well and as part of our family. And the aspect of um, serving others, I think, comes from that, or at least it did from my upbringing. So that's always been part of um, an important thing in my life is to serve others and help others. 
and um, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's financially if you can do it financially, but most of the times in my life, what I found was I wasn't always in the situation um, that I am today where I can help financially, but that serving, giving of myself has always been something that has been very fulfilling for me and it's helping, helping others. Um, so I would say when I'm thinking about values and what I value, um, it's serving others and my family for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, strong family those dinner time meals, you know, are so important to us. And uh, my kids' friends come to have dinner with us because they love that we all are sitting down at the same time and we might be eating different things, but we're all sitting together chatting. So those are the things that I, I want my kids to carry on those traditions for, for them and their families. That's so wonderful. You said, um, I mean, even right from the get-go, one of your values kind of popped up in conversation, which is when you say you work part-time in order to be of service more often and being able to have that time. So right off the bat, we heard that value come out even before we even asked you the question. And something that's curious to me, you said, um, you know, your faith in God, and that was such a, that's a big value. And that came from your family. Was your family also a family that upheld this of service kind of value or did that come later in your own journey? Um, you know, when I think back on growing up, so I grew up on a, in a farm, on a farm, um, in a rural area of Santa Cruz County and, um, very humble, um, farm. (laughs) And, um, you know, I don't think that there was a lot of opportunities that necessarily would be to volunteer for an organization. But when I think about the times that my dad would stop on the side of the road, um, he was a mechanic as well, and help people fix their cars, you know, Christmas morning, and we're driving 100 miles to see grandma, but we would stop on the side of the road if we ever saw anybody. And my dad would get out his tools and, you know, his gas can. And, um, you know, my mom would fix meals for people who were sick and, you know, visit people in the hospital. So I think that service um, instinct, it was something that I was raised with. uh, And um, has definitely, you know, stuck with uh, me as I've gone into adulthood. The other thing that I hear there is that you have a desire for communication and possibly community. Would that be an accurate interpretation? Yeah. You know, the family dinners and having everyone sit around, even if you're not eating the same thing. Definitely. I, um, I love people. Um, and I love being around people and, um, just, you know, inviting them in and, um, So I would say that sense of community and um, and just having people around, sharing a smile. Yeah. I I wonder, um, you know, we all face challenges and I I wonder if there's ever been a time when you have had an opportunity to sort of grow in your values when they've been challenged. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, well, in order to grow, I think we have to be challenged and, um, uh, so I, I like to rise up to challenges um, when I'm faced with them. And uh, one one thing that uh, just came to mind as we were as you were asking the question was um, a few years ago I decided I wanted to help with um, some kids, middle school kids, because I think that's one of an age that so many people try and avoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so hard. It's a to horrible understand. age. It's a horrible <laughs> age. It is. It is. So um, I started helping at uh, the middle school with um, the, the intention was to go in as an aide to help with the special education uh, kids at, at middle school level, because those are the ones that most people are like, you know, I can deal with a little kid from kindergarten or whatever, but you get to middle school and it's a whole different ball game. And so one. it is, it is. And um, it, uh, it certainly challenged me. Um, I remember my first couple days on campus and I'm sitting there feeling so um, just um, self-conscious. I felt like I was in middle school again. (laughs) Truly. It's like, gosh, you know, did I wear the right thing? Are they looking at me? You know, (laughs) it's so funny to think about they're going through that 
you know, every moment of their day. And um, it, it uh, I was, I was assigned a student that was, was challenging for sure and um, had to figure out how to deal with it. And I ended it that, that year, just the two of us embracing and tears in her eyes, like, oh, I'm not going to see you all summer, you know? And it was, it was really, um, it was really rewarding, but I, I felt so um, unprepared to help with that, that age group. But I had more fun that year, um, just sitting and talking to kids. And I think they just really want somebody to listen to them. Um, they just want people to listen to them instead of, you know, talking at them. Um, so it truly, it truly was, um, a challenging, uh, time for me, but I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's funny. Cause you, um, you're talking about growth and challenging and accepting that challenge and kind of going into it. And you work with a very challenging population currently, you know, this, it's so hard having those um, women and those children and seeing them down and, and really um, not being able to find their voice and helping them along that line. And then here you are also telling a story about how you went into middle school and worked with a population that generally is not the most sought after. And then of course you choose even more of the challenge of choosing special education to be a part of. And has that kind of always been a theme in your life, finding that population that you want to help that maybe isn't as sought after being helped by other people? Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> um, but now looking at it, I guess possibly so. Um, and, you know, I, I think that um, maybe I maybe I am drawn to um, to people that maybe may not be necessarily the number, uh, you know, when you're a little kid and there's the one kid that's set off to the side. And I probably, it probably stemmed from the fact that I was a really overweight little kid and used, people used to make fun of me. And, and I was, you know, one of these jolly little fat kids, you know, <laughs> so if you're going to be fat, you might as well be a jolly fat kid. And so I would let a lot of that stuff roll off of me, but I became very sensitive to other people who, you know, might be overweight or might be a little, you know, not necessarily in the in group and, and stuff. So maybe, maybe that's why I've kind of migrated towards the, you know, more challenging, you know, folks. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it a lot. <laughs> I'm excited to, um, you know, hear more about where it, it's just so unique. I am so stuck on that. You know, that first thing you said right off the bat, it's just like, I make time for this work. I make time to be of service. And we talk a lot about in this podcast and the idea of, of your wellness pie and like, is it, does it have stable foundation and values? And it seems like to me, not even, it seems like it is very clear that that your wellness pie, your pie is a priority to uphold your values of community and of service and helping those people because you make time for it. You say to yourself, I have this amount of time and half of it has to go to, you know, whatever the reason is somebody holds down a job for that individual, but then there's this side to you that's so important that you make time for it. And we live in a world where values and living by your values is not something that's common. And it's mostly for the reason of people don't have time or un are unwilling to make time to do what it takes to live a life of value or in their values. And so I just love that right from the get-go, I make time for this. I make time because it's so important, not only to me and my values, but my children's values and hopefully their children's values and hopefully the lives in which I work with and their value system. And so I just, I'm just still stuck on that of just how confident you are about that importance. And um, <laughs> the fact that, you know, you've had experience on the other side, I'm wondering, was there anyone who was instrumental when you, you, you know, you said you were sort of that jolly fat kid that mm -hmm. reached out to you and provided you a safe haven or some type of respite from, you know, the teasing from kids or whatnot? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I can't really pinpoint anybody who um, I kind of felt like I had to be that person for others. 
Um, just thinking of, um, you know, I, I, there's been times I remember, you know, as a kid, there was this little guy that, um, was kind of, I guess nowadays you'd call him a nerd, but, um, but, and, um, I remember that, um, I, I buddied with him. I just get so sit in the bus with him because nobody wanted to sit with them and that kind of thing. And, um, and, uh, it, several years after we're after in college, even, um, he ended up having a car accident and passed away. And I wrote a letter to his mother. I hadn't seen him in, you know, his mom for probably 10 years wrote a letter to his mom and she wrote back to me and she said it was really quite touching. She said that he would always remark about what a nice person, you know, how that made him feel um, that I'd come and sit by him. And, um, and she said, I'll, you know, I'll never forget your kindness to my son. And when you have experiences like that, you just want to make sure that you don't let those other little kids or, other people slip by without giving some kindness because you just don't know what kind of an impact it's going to make on their life. Might not make an impact for 20 years, or you may never know the impact that you make. Um, But it's things like that, that I think are so intense and um, it truly makes life worth it all. I'm getting such a sense of authenticity from the story and just what a feeling person that you are. It's uh, a huge appreciation for that. It's amazing. And that's a, a wonderful story. And I'm kind of thinking, gosh, I wish I had a really good story like that, but I don't. <laughs> well, I think it's just such a, it's such a, one of those stories that you hear that kind of just like is heartwarmingly remind like a heartwarming reminder of kindness. And I think, you know, like you spoke of kindness as a value in that span, which you just kind of talked about. And I think that it can be one thing to do active service and, and kind of like run that. Cause I can, that can also be kind of like a, a mill that people do is like, Oh, I'm just going to keep doing this. Cause it seems like the right thing to do, but right. you just kind of stuck in there. It's like, no, it's not just doing it. It's doing it in this way. It's doing it in a way of kindness so that the nerd on the bus doesn't sit alone or that the fat kid isn't bullied or all those stuff. It's such a, I don't know. It brings me back to just being a child, I guess. And like thinking about if we could just all be a little bit kinder, if we could all just open up and, and support one another is, it just was a little reminder. And it was like such a cute, I just pictured it of you sitting on the bus with that little boy. And um, it was just really sweet. And I think what you said too, Rachel, was important in, in that some people talk the talk, right? And yeah. they're doing this because there's an expectation. Um, sometimes our families push us to do some volunteer work, but it's not really coming from the heart. Yeah. And Julie, what I'm picking up from you is that this is really who you are. This is really coming from your heart. And I, I think I think what strikes me is that I don't get a whole lot of that. I don't get as no. many people are who are out there and doing good works, right? I don't no. get a sense that they're all in it, all in, right. if that makes sense. Is there a time or not a time? Is there a memory that you have or like a moment where that was something you didn't want to do where you were like, man, like, I don't want to move forward with kindness because of the way that somebody talked to me or the way that, you know, this was being handled and you were upset. And I'm curious to know, did you have that thought? And then what led you back to still showing up with kindness? Sure. Um, It's difficult when you run across people that don't respond in the way that you want them to, you know, when you put yourself out there and people don't respond back. Um, And so I have this funny little thing that I always tell people, I have no expectations. You know, I say, well, you have to have high expectations and no, 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 no. I have no expectations (laughs) because then I'm never disappointed. People will always, you will, you will come across people forever that are going to disappoint you. And when you, when you don't expect anything out of people, you're always pleasantly surprised when you do get response back. And um, I'm sure, I mean, it can be tough sometimes. I mean, your heart, my heart breaks when you love a lot, you hurt a lot. And um, it, 
you know, my heart breaks a lot, but then I, I also realize that there's a reason why they respond the way they do, you know, and sometimes I have to remind myself that like, you know, two weeks after the fact that I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, <laughs> and I'm a crying blubbering mess. And then I think, you know, they're responding because of the way they were raised or whatever's going on in their lives. And, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta do that forgiveness thing, even when it's really, really tough. We've had, we've had women in our program who, you know, went against the rules and we've had to ask them to leave, you know, and that's always disappointing when you're like, oh man, yeah, they were so excited and she'd never had a place of her own. And here two months in, um, they've broken one of the, the major rules that they have to follow in order to stay in the program. And, um, you know, here you're moving, schlepping the stuff out of the apartment again, um, and, or they thrash it, you know, that's happened too. Where it's like, gosh, here, we gave you all this, we gave you this opportunity. What were you thinking? You know? Um, but you can't sum up that everybody's going to behave and respond the same way. And you just got to go, okay, all right. We don't know their circumstances. We don't know what it's like being in their shoes. And, you know, some are in that, uh, you know, they've been raised to have fight or flight and, um, I've been blessed enough to not have that. And so I don't know what it's like to, to be in their situation. So it's, I, I like to call it putting out the smorgasbord, right? Putting out the buffet and you've got all your choices out there. And our jobs as helpers are to just lay it out there, to not do it for anybody. Right. And it's the person's choice, whether or not they choose to take the apartment and to follow the rules, or if they choose to do something else. And for whatever reason, they're not in the right place. You know, they're not in a space at the moment to be able to take it right. And to remain available so that if they come back, they have an opportunity to try again. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you said such a uh, like gem of knowledge. You just dropped a gem of knowledge on us, which is, you know, the way to move through the world with kindness is to release the expectation that everybody is going to show up with kindness. Yeah. You know, and I don't live like that all the time. You know, like I'm like, well, if I'm going to be nice to you, you better be nice to me too, or I'm going to be mean to you. And then, you know, you're, that's the conflict, right? Is that's the cycle is right. if I'm mean to you. And, and it's funny because I was listening to this five minute, it's Monday and I do a five minute meditation with my husband. And the meditation this morning was about like, pushing out positive positivity mm -hmm. and to show up as positive as you can. And I really struggle with that. I struggle being kind. I struggle not having expectations on people to show up like kind, even when I'm not. And so just to listen to you speak like that and to see how you live that um, is really inspirational because I don't think that, um, you know, to age myself, right. I say it on the podcast. I'm young. I'm in my, my twenties. And I think that we, I get lost in that context of like, if I were to just be kind and release the expectation that somebody else is going to show up like I am, I won't be so disappointed all the time. And I won't be, I think that's kind of how, how burnout happens, not just in work of term burnout, but like burnout on people and like burnout in my community is, is, because I hold them up to expectations. That's not fair. And it's such a genuine thing when you can say, I just let go of that. And I'm never disappointed. And I can continue to show up with kindness because that's hard to do. And I really just applaud you for that. And I'm learning from you. Mm, but I think it's, I think that's the challenge, right? Because the first time you said it, I was like, oh, she just has no expectations and just like holds this bar real low for everybody. But I don't think that's, I almost think it's like grander than that. It's like you there is no bar. There is no, you, you can be down here and that's okay. Or you can be here and that's okay. Or you can be the kindest, most positive person in the world. And that's okay. And I think that we get caught up in set. If you don't have expectations, it means that you're maybe don't have good morals or right. you don't really choose to live like a good, I put that in quotations, good life because you have no expectations. But I think when you speak about it, it's living forgiveness. It's living that everybody is human when you don't have expectations on somebody instead of the limiting construct that we as people sometimes put the, the statement 
bar, setting the bar somewhere. You know, and, and one of one of the challenges too, I think, um, has been and maturity has got me to this point too, because I'm a few more years older than you are. Um, <laughs> is that, um, you know, there were times in my life where, so when you, in my situation, I've been, um, a lot of times people will take advantage of, of, um, people that show a lot of kindness. And, um, one of the things that, that I know in my twenties and thirties, I was trying, I'm going to be tough. I'll be tough now. Right. I'm I'm tired of people doing this. I'm going to be tough. And, it's so funny how I, I was unable to live, like even trying to portray being tough, <laughs> because it's not part of who I am. And when you're not, when you're living what who, what is part of who you are, um, it just doesn't feel good. I, it just didn't feel. You don't feel like yourself. You don't feel like you're living your authentic, your authentic self. And um, and then. I think that's when I kind of came to the point of that whole expectation thing. You know what, if I, you know, I, I'm not expecting necessarily the same thing back and, you know, it's just like, it's like a birthday gift when you get it back, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you touched on something. We the, kind of the reason why this podcast was started was what does it feel like when you aren't aligned with your values? That was the question that Dina and I had talked about in the beginning. So what is, what is not living in your values feel like? And you just hammered that nail right on the head by saying you couldn't, you could not continue to live your life trying to be something that you weren't. And I want to know what, what did you do then? Like when, when was that pivotal shift of this doesn't feel right? I need to do something different. And what steps did you take? You know, for myself, I'm learning from myself and also our listeners, when you realized you weren't aligned with your values, what steps did you take to become more aligned with your values? For me, I think what happened was I just didn't like myself. And then it became a, um, a struggle of just, I didn't, I didn't care who, who I was. I don't like this person that I am. Um, and then it's like, well, then I don't like the way I look and I don't like this, that, and the other. So it becomes this compounding thing. That's like, I don't like this about myself. And then all of a sudden, you know, I've got a bad self image. And, um, I really believe that was all stemming from the fact that I wasn't being authentic. And for me, and because of my faith in God, um, I, I just really turned to the Lord. I turned to my Bible study. I went and saw a, um, a counselor that, um, that encouraged me to just, um, you know, to really get to the bottom of my faith and, and, uh, and know that I was loved for who I am and not for um, anybody else. I didn't have to prove who I was. I didn't have to be a tough person. I could still be the person that I wanted to be um, without having to, you know, change for the world, change for other people. Um, I didn't have to be number one. You know, I can, I don't have, my my family gives me a really hard time because I love to play board games. I never win. And they're like, why do you want to play? Like you never win. I love a game. I love pool. I love bocce. I love a game. I don't win. I never win. And I don't care. (laughs) It's just like, why don't you want, I go, I don't even care. I just love the, like the idea of playing. (laughs) And uh, when I do win, it's, um, it's like very unusual or what's really, really funny is I almost win a lot of times. And as soon as I get in my head, I'm going to win. It's like, it's all over. I lose. (laughs) That's so funny. It's almost like that's that idea of expectation again, right? You have no expectation of winning. And there's also this component of community because when you're playing games, Mm -hmm. it's with other people and it's engaging and having fun and being able to be yourself. And um, so I, I can totally see that. I can totally see that. I'm not there yet. I like to win all. I don't play board games because I want to win and I never win. So maybe I need to try this new, like no expectations. Let it go. Maybe I'll win. Yeah. (laughs) It also doesn't help that I play like strategy games with my husband who's a doctor and like our our brains just aren't, we're just not on the same level uh, in, in strategy. So maybe I need to start choosing different games. 
Card games, game of luck, Yahtzee. Yeah, I love Yahtzee. I really like Yahtzee. I don't win at Yahtzee either, but I love it. (laughs) But you like it. That's all that matters. I do. I do. I think that's just so um, so jolly and so authentic (laughs) to just say, I don't care about the outcome. It's about enjoyment. It's about enjoyment. I don't even think that's the word. It's about enjoying the time with others. It's about having fun. It's about being happy. And that's just so, it's like that little boy story. It's just heartwarmingly authentic. One of the things I, a a few minutes ago, I, I, there was a pause and I was trying to gather my thoughts and my mouth was kind of open um, (laughs) because um, I, I was thinking about the time when you weren't being authentic and how that manifested for you. And I just wanted to kind of back up for a minute because those are the pivotal moments for, for each of us, right? Where we have a decision to make. Either we're going to accept ourselves with all our flaws and all our foibles, or we're going to continue to live this lie and be miserable human beings. Because sadly, if you're not living in your values, I, you know, my opinion, and again, the reason that Rachel, I started this podcast is in the discussion was, I think this is what happens is that you become depressed or anxious or have psychological side effects as it were, because you're, you're not who you're not living who you really are. And so I just wanted to comment on that. And the other thing I wanted to comment on is this idea of no bar right? That is such an amazing concept. I love it. I love (laughs) the idea that there is no standard. There is no normal. There is no, this is what I want from you. This is what society wants from you. This is what your culture wants from you. It allows us to be authentic. It's liberating. It is very liberating to think, oh my God, there is no bar. And I have to ponder that because I certainly set, you know, these bars for myself. And I even joke, you know, for my kids who are still young, you know, I say, I set a really low bar if they stay out of jail and they graduate high school, you know, bam, I think I'm a successful parent. And this idea of what if I didn't have a bar for them? What if I didn't have a bar for my clients? Lava stress. I feel like, like automatic, oh, the moment you said that I like felt this like weight lifted up, like, wow, like, anything then becomes a progress point. Like anything becomes just great and wonderful. And like, oh, you took, you didn't swallow your gum today. Like, that's amazing. What a wonderful thing. It's so freeing. And like, I don't feel like I have a lot of stress when I think like that. Yeah, it really, it, it really is liberating. Julie, thank you so much. That yeah. uh, I think, go ahead, Julie, you're going to say something. Oh, well, I was going to, I was going to share this. Um, I don't know if this has, I, well, I feel it's pertinent. So um, one of the craziest things that I've done, and I, you know, as I'm sitting here talking to you guys, um, I had always, um, when I went to school, when I went to college, I started out as a poly, uh, poli sci major, took my first debate class. And my debate teacher told me, there's no way in heck you're going to ever be in politics because you can't, you can't um, talk basically out of both sides of your mouth. Like I could only do, <laughs> right. I could only stand up and debate what I believed in because in, in debate class, they used to make you do both sides of the argument. Right. And I couldn't fake it on the other side. So I changed to business major, went along my life and um, it had always been my desire as a child. Okay. I was going to be the first president, female president of the United States. Um, of course I realized in college that was never going to happen, nor would I want to be, but, um, I know there's still a chance, but yeah, I was going to say there's still yeah, not a first one. So it's true. It's true. Um, however, a few years ago, there was an opening in the city council for the city of Poway. And, um, I saw it in the newspaper and I mentioned it to my oldest son and he said, mom, mom, you should run. And I go, oh. he goes, mom, you should run. You've always wanted to serve the community. You should run. So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go down there. So a couple of days later, he goes, did you go down to the city council yet? And I said, no. And he goes, mom, you need to go down there and apply for the election. Okay, fine. He goes, you just, he goes, mom, it's always been your dream. You better do it. Well, when your kid challenges you like that, how can you say like, no, 
Exactly. So I went down and I signed up to get on the uh, ballot to God, run for city guts. council. Good for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got back to the car and I cried my eyes out in excitement. Oh. I was so excited that I had made this decision of something I'd always wanted to try. And it was like, let's see what happens. So I got into the race late. Um, I got in at the end of August. And of course, the um, election was um, November. And um, just a nobody, right? Running against two incumbents. And um, there, were two, there were two spots available on the, on the city council. So I started door to door in the city of Poway knocking on people's door. You know, I had Dominic, my oldest son, help me write up uh, little flyers and stuff. And I went door to door, introducing myself, saying I wanted to serve this community. Um, I don't have any political background. I had, you know, this is what I, you know, I love the open space. I want to keep the open space, I, you know, and, um, and I ran and I went through three pa pairs of kids tennis shoes going door to door, knocking on doors, wow. <laughs> talking to people. And, um, and so um, election night came and um, I was so sick to my stomach. I went to bed. I thought, I can't see what happens. I don't want to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to bed at like seven o'clock and my phone, I could hear my phone not looking, not looking. I got up in the morning and it was Dominic, my oldest son. And he's like, mom, mom, you're doing really well. So I got on the, I got on the San Diego, um, uh, voter registrar's voter um, website. And I came in, I want you to know, I came in third, right behind, there were, there were eight people that was run, that were running that particular, um, that particular year. And I came in right behind the two incumbents. And um, I have to tell you, that was like a highlight of my life. <laughs> wow. I am so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I lost, but I did so good. <laughs> I was like, he's like, he calls me, he goes, mom, are you upset? Cause you didn't win. I go, no, are you kidding? I came in third. <laughs> this is awesome. This is the woman <laughs> who never wins a game. Why would she be upset? Yeah. in third. That's great. <laughs> I'm so, um, I, I like to be called the first loser, by the way. I, you know, yeah, okay, this first more, loser. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Something that also is sticking in my head too is, you know, a few conversations back when we had asked you, you know, what were the action steps that you took? And, and for you, it was, it was finding the Lord and finding your, your footing in your religion. And for people who are not religious, I think what you said in that was finding a space of unconditional love, right? That's, that's what the Lord provides for a lot of people is the space of unconditional love, forgiveness and unconditional love. And you were talking about when you weren't in your values, how critical you were on yourself, your body, um, all the psychological things of like not living aligned. And what it sounds like to me what the solution was, was this space of unconditional love for yourself and the people that you serve. And that's when, when you were able to give that and receive it for yourself, you then found this place of balance of I'm living in my authentic body and I'm living in my authentic self. And I think we forget the power of, again, it's the same conversation of having no expectations. Unconditional love, in my opinion, kind of falls under that category because that's what it is. If you can unconditionally love somebody, you're not tied to how they're reacting. Um, and I think that that's just, again, such a, a gem of knowledge is unconditional love and the power of unconditional love and no expectations and showing up that way. You are just so much happier with whatever the outcome is being the first loser. Like, I don't even, I can't even comprehend that fact right now of like, first loser and like being okay with that and being so okay in yourself and how you show up in the world that it doesn't matter if you're a winner. There are no winner or losers in your game, whatever game you're playing, there's no winners or losers. And I think for people who are my age and learning to navigate this world and for people who are, you know, other ages, my older, age, older <laughs> ages where they're not aligned with their values, um, you're giving such 
key information to how to recognize and to change that. Cause it's, it's easy in the grand scheme of things to, to release control. It's releasing control, releasing control of, of others um, and showing up just how you show up. And I think that that's such um, like obtainable action steps for people and our listeners is like, Hey guys, like just love each other unconditionally and set no bar and you won't be upset. You won't be as, cause you, you said it, you know, you still get hurt. You, you're always going to get hurt, but you're not hurting yourself now. Right. And I think that that's powerful. I think that that's powerful information that this podcast, this episode is giving us is, is really just easy, obtainable ways to show up authentically. And I, I also want to just to piggyback on that to say that this idea, the way the being off, the, your authentic self, I, when you started talking about um, going to apply to run for, for city council, I said, oh my God, that takes such courage. I think when you're, and, t- and correct me if I'm wrong, Julie, I mean, I'm sure it's still scary, but it doesn't sound like there's a fear of losing for you. There was no fear of losing because it was just, it was more about doing it rather than the outcome. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I think, I think it was, I think it was more about, I had, I finally had the courage to do something that um, I had dreamed about, you know, it was like one of these things that, you know, if you don't try something, you never know. It, it, it truly was the experience. I mean, I would not, you know, I wouldn't change it. Now, did I run again the next time? No. <laughs> You know, I was going to ask, are you going to run fine. again? <laughs> you did it. You had the experience. Okay. That's right. Well, and I also, through that whole experience, realized that, again, you know, here's my debate teacher talking to me in the back of my mind from 35 years earlier. Uh, you know, I wasn't cut out for politics, um, you know. And so, again, I almost think that it was a God thing that I didn't get elected because, um, you know, they probably would have eaten me alive um, at those those little city council meetings. But um I, I just learned, you know, I, I learned a great deal about myself and just that going forward and being me. And, uh, you know, the first the first um, uh, community forum that we had with all the candidates there and, you know, and, and people that were up for election, they give their whole resume. And I stood up there and I said, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a volunteer. Um, I love the Lord. And um, I'm running for city council because I want to serve you. You know, and, and other people say, well, I'm a lawyer and I went to Duke and I have this, that, and the other, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm a wife and, you know, <laughs> it's like, it was, it was fun. But I think you also okay, minimize sorry. your accomplishments because yeah. you, know, you do so much for the community and as a lawyer and I went to Duke, you know, yeah. doesn't mean they're doing anything for anybody but themselves. I, they yeah. might be, but I'm just saying they might be. Yeah. it doesn't have, you know, I think yeah. actually you're uh, credentials are, are pretty strong for that. So, um, so I think one of the last things that I want to ask is, um, what do you think is your secret ingredient to making your pie for yourself work? Hmm. Um, I do think my faith in the Lord is what makes my pie work um, when I'm feeling down and when I need to be strengthened. Um, the relationship that I have, um, I feel like I can communicate with the Lord and, and know which direction to go um, in prayer. I do a lot of praying. Um, I've learned also to not use prayer as a last resort, but the first resort, you know, oh, there's nothing else we could do, but pray. <laughs> I, you know, I just try and switch that around in my life. I'm going to start out with prayer and, um, and move in that direction. And, um, I really think that's what's kept me, um, kept me authentic, kept me, um, on the path that I'm going, you know, this year was tough for a lot of people and just seeing the decisiveness in our world. Um, and, um, you know, just breaks my heart. There's days where I just, you know, didn't feel like I, wanted to really get up and function because I'm, you know, just so heartbroken that more people, I mean, that we have such decisiveness, division between, I mean, division, I mean, decisiveness, but um, division among people. And it's like, this is not what God intended, 
he did not intend for us to be divided. He intended us to be united. And, um, and so I think, you know, this year was a challenge for sure for different, you know, many different reasons, but um, just seeing the world on, I felt like on its ugly side and spent a lot of time, you know, in prayer. And I think that that really helped cement me into um, some stability in this, in this year of, you know, unpredictability. Um, Cause it's real easy, as you know, I mean, you guys work with people all the time that this has been a challenge for, you know, so many people. And, you know, I'm, I'm concerned with the, the mental health of a lot of our communities because of so much division in society right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't think there's anyone who is left unchanged yeah. by this year, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, due to politics or due to COVID isolation, isolation, yeah. all of it, the whole, the whole, the whole package. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's not the bubonic plague, but um, <laughs> it's a whole different kind of plague. I think it's, yeah. it's like a shadow side. I, um, I was, there's a lot of articles about this isn't who we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think on the flip side of that, it is who we are because we all have the dark side. So as a nation, we have the dark side and that coexists along with the light side. We all have that. And I think, uh, you know, this year has been a challenge, has challenged us to look at that and say, okay, this is who we are. And how do we integrate those two sides of ourselves? I also think, I also think too, what this year on kind of similar to what you say, Julie, is for myself, the one thing I learned a lot about this year is how to show up more with kindness and compassion, not just for others, but also for myself and recognizing um, the space and the needed space between the drive of society and the drive of ego um, to take a step back and show up differently because it didn't work didn't work this year showing up how I normally did. And so I think that that is kind of along, along the line of, of what you're talking about. And um, kind of this final thought that I have is what I'm walking away with from this conversation. And Dean and I talk all the time about like, I learned so much from these podcasts and you said something a few things back where it's, you know, if you never try, you'll never know. And what I learned from you in this podcast in this hour is if I am attached to the outcome, I will never know Um, because I will never try. And I just thank you so much because that's, that's wisdom. And I just gained a lot of wisdom in that and showing up in that space, um, letting go of the outcome, not trying to be a winner all the time and not being a sore loser if that happens is really, is really how I want to show up. And I don't all the time. And so I really appreciated you taking this time with us and this space with us to remind me, let go of the outcome and you will gain so much more than if you just hold on to ego, which is what outcome usually is. So thank you so much. So, so much. Yes. Thank you, Julia. And, and for showing up for us as authentic as you are. And as we, you know, asked if, uh, like I said, your, your, your daughter-in-law continue, you know, was like, Oh, you need to have my mother-in-law. You need to have my mother-in-law. And now I know why. Yeah. Um, and I, this is the first time I realized I need to be taking notes about what I'm learning because <laughs> I'm really, I'm not one to take notes when I have discussions like this, but there's so much to be gleaned for it. I mean, the whole concept, okay, no bar, be who you are, you know, um, and while that is something that is not a new concept, right? I mean, we always talk about being authentic and, and whatnot, but living in that authenticity allows us the courage to step forth into those scary places, mm-hmm and grow without, I don't want to say without fear, but with faith in God or in faith in the universe or spirit, what, you know, depending on what our listeners and we have um, as a concept, it's just, just knowing that it's okay if I don't win, (laughs) it's okay if I do this and I'm not number one, I'm not, you know, the fastest runner, I'm not the best 
writer. I'm not the best at, you know, Yahtzee, right? <laughs> Bocce ball. And I want to hold on to that. And that's why I think I need to start taking notes is the end of that story. <laughs> that's a great, great <laughs> idea. I think that's a great idea. Uh, oh. Well, this is really fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you decided to join us. That's uh, we really especially when you that. had no idea what you were stepping into. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always the best though, right? Like I feel, I feel like they, this conversation and being able to have guests that show up just as they are and like, no expectations and, and just going with it gives our listeners such a human interaction. You know, you're just a human. You're just, you know, a wife, a mother, somebody so relatable. And it makes these conversations, in my opinion, more impactful because you're just a human. And I think that that brings so much to our podcast, um, right? Just you showing up as the third runner up for Poway City Council. First loser. <laughs> first loser. First loser. Yes. First loser. <laughs> yes. The first loser in city council. That's and right. the um You're the only yeah. one on our pod. That's gonna be you're gonna be the only one that holds that title on this podcast. So yeah. you're a winner. <laughs> That's right. You won this one. <laughs> Oh, All well, right. Thank you so much, Julie. And we appreciate your time and your space and, and sharing your truth with us. It's very helpful. Well, it's very nice to get to know you girls. And I hope to, uh, I hope we cross our paths again for sure. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. So, well, I will say that this episode, I, I really did learn a lot from it and the idea of the bar, just letting that yeah. go. And I like that she was just a human, that she was a human. Yeah. And I, I almost don't want to say just because yeah, 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 yeah. that somehow minimizes. But if we just say she is human, we are human. We yeah. don't need to be anything other than. Yeah. The word of my therapy was, I will make an impact just by being who I am and not mm-hmm. even doing any work. Just being who I am, I will have an impact. All right. Well, next episode, looking forward to our next episode of Wellness Pie. And yeah, I'm so excited. Keep learning, keep growing both as a host and as a listener. That's right. All right. right. See you. Bye. Bye.